Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Hope Story Circle and welcome to Peace on your source for inspiring conversations and information from thought leaders across the spectrum on topics related to the strategies of building peace, fostering nonviolence, and creating a world that thrives, shifting our understanding toward empathy, compassion, and connection. My name is Terry Mason. I'm on the board of the Peace Alliance and I'm your host today. Co-facilitating with me are Liz Gannon-Graydon, who is also on our board, and Yelena Popovich, who is our teaching peace and schools lead and mindfulness expert. And our special guest today is Marie Ueki. It's so nice to see you, Marie. Please come off mute and tell me if I totally destroyed your last name. Hi, good morning, everyone. Um, my last, <laughs> yes, you did. My okay. last name is Okeye. Okeye. <laughs> Okay, yes. I should have asked you in advance. That was my fault. But it's so nice to see you, and I'm so excited to have you share your story today. We're, we're just delighted to have you here. Good to be here. Well, first, we're going to start with Yelena leading us in a meditation. Yelena? Beautiful. Good morning, good afternoon, everyone, and to Everybody that is listening to this as a podcast, welcome. Yes, so for today, let's, I just invite you to close your eyes if that feels comfortable at this moment, or perhaps just looking down, feeling your feet on the earth. And invitation is to really invite ease and relaxation, the body. Uh, maybe taking a couple of slow, deep breaths. And just noticing if there is any place in your body where you can invite more softening. Softening any tension, perhaps around your shoulders, neck, belly, unhinging your jaw, perhaps. Softening the space between your eyes. Just letting yourself melt. I'm going to read a quote and then invite you all to really let the words of that sit for a moment. It says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go out and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. That is a quote from Howard Terman. Don't ask what the word need, world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And go out and do it. Because what the world needs is people have come alive. Just let the words 
sit with you for a moment. Just become aware of any sensations, any feelings, any thoughts or images that might come. What do you notice? What makes you come alive? What can you do with that? Just asking yourself, what makes me come alive? What can I do with that? What are the times when you feel most alive, most vivid, most engaged, energized? What patterns emerge when you look at the times or circumstances? Do your unique gifts shining through? Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. Go out and do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And perhaps with a breath, get in touch with your aliveness. with your beating heart. As you exhale, I invite you to smile, when you are ready, welcome, Marie, to our hope story. Thank you. Thank you all. Hi, good morning, everyone.
As Terry said, my name is Marie Ukeye, and today I am here to tell you the story of my mother. My mother was born on January 14, 1934, in Rwanda. She named herself Suzanne when she, she was eight years old and baptized in the Catholic Church. But her parents had given her name the name Uzanyinzoga, which means the one who is bringing celebrations to the family. My mother was born in a family of seven, five girls, two boys, and she was the fifth child. Her father, my grandfather, was a first grade teacher. He was somebody who um, had learned how to write and read in French, and um, he taught uh, first grade. When his kids become of age of school, he will take them with, with, with him to school. They will spend the day together and come home together in the evening, including girls, even though that was not a custom in Rwanda at the time. When my mother reached the age of 12, she had to move schools to go to high school. The school was a bit far. It was about four hours away each way and she couldn't get there. So she stopped and she stayed home. One day when she went to church, there was a congregation of nuns that was inviting girls to go to this high school and it was a boarding school. My mother joined the school and she went there. And um, outside of what they taught them in high school, they focused on what they thought um, women will need to be good mothers and good wives. They taught them how to clean, how to iron, and um, how to cook European food. One time when my mother was supposed to go home for Easter, she didn't go. And my grandfather was alarmed, so he went to school to see what happened. When he got there, my mother told him that she had decided to become a nun, to join the congregation. My grandfather didn't like it because he felt like you cannot be a nun for the rest of your life. And he believed by the time she changes her mind, she will be too old to get married and too old to have kids. And he wanted her to have kids. So he took off with, with him. And for that, I thank him. <laughs> so my mother told me that uh, when she arrived home at that time, she was praying a lot telling Jesus that um, she had planned to give her life to him, but it didn't happen. And she was praying for a good husband. And she say, she always liked to say that uh, she, her, her prayers were answered. And I do agree with her because her husband, my father, was a good husband. He was a good father and he was a good person. One time, my mother went to church again. She was a good Catholic girl. <laughs> and um, there was this guy who, like, who saw her and liked her. So the guy went to the house to ask my, grandma, my grandfather if he could marry my mother. 
She was 16 at the time. My grandfather refused. And he said that he had another daughter who was my, my mother's older sister, who was nine years older than her. If he wanted a bride, he could take my aunt. And that's what he did. He married my aunt, Angelina. But that guy had a best friend. And he told his best friend that whenever he's ready, he has a bride for her. About a year later, her best friend was ready. They went back to my grandfather to ask if the best friend could marry my mother. This time, my grandfather agreed. And that how, that's how my father and my mother met. My father and my mother met on March 25th, 1952. And they married on May 1st, 1952, only six weeks later. 10 months later, after the, the, the marriage, my mother gave birth to her first child. And she will go on to give birth to 11 kids from age 18 to age 47. I remember my mother working, working a lot. She had to do so much. She had so many kids. She will open up shops in the neighborhood. She will do wholesale of uh, charcoal to make fire, wholesale of sodas. She will build small houses to, for rental. She was always busy. And that's something that I did not appreciate because my friend's mothers stayed home and I felt like my mother should also just stay home like the rest of the mothers, but she was always busy. Fast forward to the genocide, 1994, my mother lost two sons and a daughter. Few years later, she lost two more sons to HIV AIDS. About a year later, she lost my father, her husband. And my mother was left with 10 orphan grandkids to take care of. And she became a mother again. She did what she did when we were younger. She'll make sure that uh, they go to school. She'll make sure they do homework. She'll make sure they, be they behave properly. Every time one of them doesn't behave, the principal will call my mother. In her 70s, she will show up and, um, and deal with it. My mother was there for the ones who were unable to go to school because they, they were too traumatized by the genocide. She was there in the happy moments when they graduated high school, when some of them graduated uh, college, when some of them got married, have kids and he gave her great grandkids. She even lost one of them to a car accident when he was 29 years old. About um, a year ago, actually last year around this time, I spoke to my mother, we were talking on the phone and um, she told me that she was planning to build a shop in front of her house. Um, for people to rent and, and make like what we call a bodega in New York. And I, dis I disagreed with her. I told her that I thought she was too late, too old to be working 
the way she, stay, she was still working. I told her to relax, just take it easy. We are grown now. We will be able to help. You don't need to work that hard. But um, about, so I was, so, so she actually told me, she said, when you come to Rwanda, we will discuss. And I went to Rwanda for Christmas last year and um, I did not bring up the subject and she did not bring up the subject. And I believe that um, that was it. She had listened to me and she wasn't going to do anything. About a few months later, I got a picture from my, one of my brothers. And that picture was of that shop after it was built, it was done. And the following time when I spoke to my mother, I told her that uh, I saw that she had built the shop and she was surprised because apparently she had told everybody not to tell me that she did it. She said, uh, well, some of them are not listening to me. I told her, well, you refuse to listen to me. So that's why they are not listening to you. So she said, I have questions to ask you. She asked me, how long do you think I have to live? I said, I don't know. She said, I don't think I have 20 years. I don't think I have 10 years. I don't even think I have five years. Maybe one to five is okay, but I don't have long to live. Everything that I do is not for me. She reminded me of a story where um, they say, you plant a tree knowing very well that you are not going to enjoy the shade of that tree. And she said, I know I am not going, I'm not the one to enjoy the shade of this tree that I'm planting, but I have, at this moment, she has five grandkids who live with her. She said, but I have five grandkids that I want them to enjoy the tree that I'm planting. She also told me that she wanted to stop the cycle of people passing in the family when they pass away and their kids are passed to other family members. She says, I hope when I go, my grandkids will be able to survive without putting a burden on their aunties and uncles or anybody else in the family. And for that, I agree with her. And that's the story of my mother, Suzanne. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marie. Liz, Yelena, what might we say to carry people into the breakout rooms from Marie's story? Thank you so much, Marie. Um, for those of you who don't know, Marie is such a dear friend of mine, and I'm so grateful that she came here to tell her beautiful story. So thank you, Marie. And when we were talking last night about this story, um, what struck, you know, Yelena had such beautiful observation, right? And um, the inquiry, we, or what we started to talk about was this very strong purpose that her mother had that propelled her forward. Um, and I think what I loved was that she had like different threads of that, right? Marie talked about the fact um, that her mother always had joy. 
her mother always had faith, right? That those were two strong things that really propelled her, her faith and her joy. And the question we'd like you to take with you as you contemplate Marie's story is what's the strong force that propels you to your purpose in life? What's the strong force that propels you to your purpose in life? And Cherry's um, gonna break you up into the groups. And uh, we really look forward to hearing what you have to say on the return uh, in response to Marie's oh, just beautiful story of her mom. Thank you so much, Liz. So when we go to the breakout rooms, the thoughts that we take are to speak from your heart, to listen with your heart, to say just enough so that others might have an opportunity to share. And if you don't feel like sharing, to give the gift of listening, and to keep confidentiality. When we return to the room, we'd love to hear what's bubbling up for you. And you're certainly invited to tell your own story, but don't tell it someone else's. You can speak to the themes of the stories and the things that were shared so that it won't be on the podcast without people having permission. So I'm gonna pause the recording and then we'll go into breakout rooms and we'll come back and see what happens. Welcome back, everyone. I see such smiling faces. I'm just so eager to hear what's bubbling up for folks. Who wants to share? Come off mute and tell us what's going on. Well, Judy reminded me that that I'm the the singer of the group and so our theme song with with Judy and Rob who are both main people and I'm in Minnesota don't you know and it's it's fall here and so the the song and the theme for us as we look outside our windows the falling the autumn leaves drift by our windows <laughs> the autumn leaves of red and gold and Marie thank you so much for your sharing because what, what we connected to from our hearts is the common purpose of gifting through the years and the care and commonalities that we have in, in Mother Nature, honoring our mothers, Mother Earth and our human mothers, and how we carry on carrying on. So thank you, Judy and Rob and me. Thank you so much. I love that, the autumn leaves. Hmm. Who else would like to share? I really enjoyed having a one-on-one -on -one with another male. <laughs> I mean, that's really rare. Um, and at the end of it, I was just sharing about how much I enjoy coming to the Hope Story Circle because of these breakout rooms. It's the, it's the best thing on the internet. As far as <laughs> Um, and, and reflecting back on the, the kind of flow of our sharing, it was this kind of uh, slow unfolding and revelation of our life stories that have propelled us into what we're doing now and what we imagine we might be doing soon. And the, uh, 
homeless people became a, a common thread in a, in our story mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, strikes our heart, breaks our heart, and um, we're we're both on the path of. Uh, removing the, pre- the, the the prejudice and misconceptions and uh, about who are these people? You know, they're, they're so strange. Well, they're not. They're just like us. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's so true. That's profound, David. Would you like to share more, Angie? No, because I want Jana for my group to talk about her story because I think that that is important for everyone to hear that she shared with Maria and I. Jana, are you willing to share? No, I shared my whopper. (laughs) (laughs) And and I will share that... um, uh, I did submit some artwork to JMAC for Families. It's an organization here in Brooklyn that is um, working to abolish New York City ACS, that's the Child Protection Service. And I did share that I got this book that I haven't read yet by Dorothy Roberts called Torn Apart, How the Child Welfare System Destroys Black Families and How Abolition Can Build a Safer World. And I will share also that I said that I'm very grateful for my uh, Uh, experience uh, here in New York City and uh, in another country. And uh, because if I didn't see the system uh, for myself with my own eyes and walk it with my own two feet, I would not believe and I would not uh, understand. And to do human rights work, which I was doing prior to this experience, this uh, long saga, Uh, I really was naive and now I'm much wiser as to how the system works and so now I can be much more effective in helping everyone to heal. There's a beautiful quote um, by Carlos Morales and I don't know if I can find it. He's um, a CPS social worker who was a whistleblower and um, if you allow me I'll pull it up. Um, Let me see. I don't know if I can find it so easily. Um, But he did say something to the effect of, uh, I had to be compassionate uh, with myself. Mm. And and he became compassionate with with himself Mm. uh, when he shared uh, what was going on. So so that's a a snippet of what I shared. Mm. Thank you, Jana. Thank you, Angie. And thank you, Maria. Thank you, Angie. Thank you all. We have time for one more share. If somebody would like to share something that's bubbling up for you right now. I was going to share something else, but I'm calling an audible and changing it because I I just wanted to um, celebrate uh, Angie for a moment. Um, I was really touched by your gesture and the way you spoke there. And what I mean by that was, aside aside from the fact that you let silence be there um, before you spoke, which we're all just talking so much and so quickly and life moves by so 
fast. Like I just appreciate you slowing down and bringing in space, but the fact that you spoke to allow another's voice to shine and bring light to another person, like we need more of that. Mm -hmm. I don't care wherever in the world, everywhere, and I I I think um, yeah, that was just a beautiful embodiment and it might have seemed like a small moment to some folks and maybe even you Angie and you were just being your normal way of being in self but sometimes that deserves to be celebrated and I I just wanted to really like uh, that moment of you passing the ball forward uh yeah that was awesome thank you I call that listening to the silence of peace That's beautiful. Well, thank you, Dave and Angie. I think we'll bring it to a close. Marie, is there anything you want to say before we start to wind up here? Um, Thank you for everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following me in my mother's um, journey. The only thing that I'll say, as Liz said, um, is that um, my mother um, still has joy. My mother still laughs a lot. She likes jokes and she laughs all the time. And um, every time that um, I, I, I meet something that pushes me back, I always go back. I think about her and what she went through, which is not easy. But um, she's still here and she's still laughing and it gives me strength to continue. Oh. That's wonderful, Marie. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to put links in the chat. Um, the Hope Story Circle is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, and our website is peacealliance.org. Our podcasts, our Peace on podcasts are linked there. Also a page about our Hope Story Circles, if you'd like to share with your personal network and invite others to join us here. We also have a link to the Blueprint for Peace, which is a major initiative to let all of your elected officials know that you support policy related to the strategies of building peace and fostering nonviolence. Um, there's also a link to our Department of Peacebuilding legislation, HR 1111, which is our cornerstone legislation that we continue to support. We are a small nonprofit. We welcome donations of any size, especially our monthly donors. We're trying to get 22 new monthly donors in 2022. So it would be lovely if you'd join us in that way. Just a small amount every month gives us sustainable income. And also the link to our calendar, peacealliance.org slash calendar, which is where you find all of our events that you can join. We'd love to have you come back and visit us again. So with that, I'll hand it back to Liz to close this up. Thank you, everyone. And uh, thank you for your beautiful story, Marie. Uh, thank you, Terry, for always holding the space. And Yelena, I think what I wanna speak to now is weaving the quote that you used and then kind of responding to everyone who spoke. And I wanted to share with you two um, people I met, one was in person, one was virtually, who really shifted how I'm understanding my purpose moving forward. And many of you know that I hold this semi since, you know, weekly tea party in Bryant Park. 
And it really is at the crossroads of humanity and everyone walks through and um, back in September, uh, a young man was walking by and he was some level of unhoused David, you know, and I could see that he was probably going to ask for some money. And as he approached, he looked me in the eyes and I went to speak to him and he said, not you, I'm scared of you. And I kind of pulled back and I said, why are you scared of me? And he said, you look like my math teacher. And I said, oh, and he said, I'm really smart, but algebra is hard. I said, you're right, algebra is hard. And he said, and she failed me. And he said, but I'm not stupid, I'm smart. And I said, I can see that. And I said, would you like to join us, right? And he, he sat and had a cup of tea with us and, and some people were able to share with him. And all I could think about, David, to kind of tie together, right? Is there were so many systems that failed this beautiful man. And I don't know what the thread is that led him to failing an algebra class, to walking the streets, you know? But I, I like, I can't get him. I, right, I can't get him out of my head. And then what I was thinking about was, you know, there's all kinds of free online content and especially like through the Shift Network, I've been trying to do as much as I can. And a few weeks ago now, there was a presentation on healing with plant medicine. And that's really a world I don't know at all. So I signed up and there were 30 hours but there was one woman in particular that shifted how I'm understanding my role on the planet. And she talked about the fact that she loved trees, right? And felt very close to trees. And where she lives in North Carolina, they had hemlock trees. And she said, in a few years back, there was an invasive bug that just decimated the trees. And I'm gonna pause here for a minute. Oh no, I'll, I'll finish that. And she said they grieved the loss of the trees. And she said, but something that thrives on the hemlock, the decaying hemlock trees is something called a reishi mushroom. And I don't know if you guys know anything about reishi mushroom, but I learned about reishi mushrooms once I was given my cancer diagnosis because people said to me, you know, reishi mushrooms have these beautiful healing properties, especially with tumors. And I had friends send me reishi mushroom tinctures and reishi mushrooms and cocoa with reishi mushrooms in it. And so I was learning about the healing properties. And this woman said, you know, the earth has this wisdom. And I think the earth knew that in this moment, we needed the healing powers of the reishi more than we may have needed the energy of these hemlocks. And she said, everyone on the planet right now is a reishi mushroom. So much around us looks like it's dying and decaying, but everyone on the planet has this beautiful energy that we can use to transform our energy with the energy of the planet and create something so much more beautiful than has ever existed. And so I wanna take those two ideas, right? And this idea that those things, those systems that we look at, right? Those things that are clearly not working, that we can bring to it our own personal 
ability to love and connect and to transform things so that they look so more beautiful than anything anyone could have imagined. So I invite you uh, as we move into the week um, to look for ways to be a reishi mushroom, right? And, and, and to look around you something that looks like it might be dying and decaying, but saying, what if that's here to, he to, to feed an energy that needs to grow where that's growing? So Marie, my dear friend, I love you for your beautiful story, Yelena and Terry, as always, and for everyone who, you know, continues to come and show up to share and participate. I send you forth with so much love. Thank you so much, Liz. Everyone feel free to come off mute and say goodbye. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank Aloha. you, everyone. Thank you, Marie. <laughs> Lots of love. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today at Peace On. We hope that it inspires you to engage in dialogue in your larger community. Peace On is brought to you by the Peace Alliance, found at peacealliance.org.